You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Well, welcome back, everybody, and thanks for downloading our podcast today. This is a special Holy Week episode of Advancing Our Church. We're dropping it today right before the Great Triduum. And in this time of uncertainty, this time of a crisis, and we see every night on the news just more and more bad news and, and the loss and the tragedy that we're seeing each and every day, I thought it appropriate to bring you two great beacons of hope as we enter into this prayerful time of the Great Triduum and this prayerful, solemn time of Holy Week. Today, we're going to talk with Archbishop Nelson Perez, the Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and Bishop John Barris, Bishop of the Diocese of Rockville Center. These two great men are going to talk with us today about the things happening in their diocese, the great missionary spirit of their own priests, and their own approaches to bringing Christ to their people in their dioceses. And so first up, let's talk with Archbishop Nelson Perez. Well, Archbishop Perez, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jim. Thank you so much for having me on. How are things in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia today? Well, we're moving along. It's like everybody else in the country, you know, uh, adjusting and adapting and exploring ways to manage this whole crisis with the coronavirus. And it's certainly not the way I expected to start out my time in Philadelphia, but it is what sure. it is. <laughs> exactly. You're a Philadelphia guy. You were actually ordained in the cathedral, I saw. And so yeah, this yeah. has very been very much a, a homecoming for you. Oh, it certainly is. You know, I, I was here all of my uh, ordained ministry, you know, 24 years. Uh, and I went to the seminary here where I now live and served in, in archdiocesan entities and parishes and taught at LaSalle University. I did a lot of stuff. And, and then, uh, you know, I got made a bishop in 2012. I left. Went to New York, then eventually went to Cleveland, and seven and a half years later, I'm back in Philly. I never thought I actually would be coming back. Yeah, I can imagine. What is that like coming home uh, into this uh, into this new role, really? Well, you kind of said it yourself. It is like coming home. Yeah, I certainly miss uh, Cleveland. Cleveland was uh, is a, a great, great local church with wonderful priests and and great people and a vibrant young adult community that I really grew to love and respect. And so it was sad for me to leave Cleveland. It actually was. But coming back home is coming back home. So so there's a a level of familiarity. I just it's just kind of surreal thinking that I'm here as the archbishop. You know, right. was always somebody else. Exactly. You know, I I had uh, Christina Lamas on the podcast just a few weeks ago. We met up at the National Leadership Roundtable Summit. I'm doing some volunteer work with the uh, National Federation, and uh, she, right, I'm their Episcopal advisor. I know exactly, and she just kind of lit up when I asked her about you. How are you enjoying that role? Oh, it's incredible. You know, I was at NCYC in Indianapolis back in November, and, and that was, I have to say, one of the most incredible church events that I had ever been to. And I've been to a lot of them, and I was so impressed with that. And, and uh, back in, I think it was January or uh, February, beginning of February, I was with them for their board meetings and, and membership meetings and 
And to see the vibrancy and passion of people across the country, as well as Christina and her team, is really wonderful. So it's great to be associated with them. It's a beautiful ministry. I've been connected sure with is, yeah. youth ministry for a good part of my career. Now I have three teenagers at home, so I have youth ministry at home as well. So you have your own youth ministry going. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So I, I noticed online that you're now doing this virtual Lenten retreat nightly, which is a wonderful service to uh, the parishioners in the archdiocese. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, you know, an idea that we had, you know, right now, people coming to church itself, you know, is is limited because of, you know, government restrictions, uh, which are wise, of course, and and so, but that doesn't mean we don't continue to be church, sure. you know, and, and we're blessed with the platform of social media to be able to then bring church to people. So we're doing it in all sorts of different ways. Uh, you know, our, our uh, really creative priests in the Diocese of Philadelphia are out there streaming and doing uh, 30 seconds with the pastor every day and hmm. and reflections and streaming their Sunday and daily masses. I'm streaming my mass at the cathedral on Sundays at 11, uh, which is having, you know, 100,000 uh, people participating. And then we thought about doing this uh, virtual Lenten retreat, the power of faith and hope in times of uncertainty. And so we have these great presenters that at night, they, at 7 o'clock each night, their presentations or retreat conferences is posted. It's a scripture passage, a reflection, and a prayer. And they're getting thousands of people watching it, not only in real time, but afterwards as well. You know, five, 6,000 people. And, and that will go on. It started uh, this past Monday. And it will, the closing will be the Palm Sunday celebration, uh, which are mass that I will stream on Sunday. We also have... Uh, uh, our office for new evangelization and Megan Coakley, who's really passionate and wonderful, leading sure. uh, thousands of people, three, four thousand people in the rosary every night at eight o'clock. That's incredible. In, in real time, which is so. So there's church. Church is happening. It's just not happening in the way we're used to right now. But church, in a lot of ways, is happening, and people are tuning in. And my uh, so that's the type of initiatives that have been taking place to uh, to proclaim the gospel and to accompany people. Well, I, and, and I'm sure that, uh, absolutely, and I've looked at your, di your archdiocese and different dioceses around the country, it's amazing to see the creativity uh, that is happening in parishes and in dioceses around this coronavirus. And it's also exciting to see how the laity, um, there's a almost a renewed hunger for the Eucharist since we right. have been denied it for a couple of weeks now and will be denied it for the foreseeable future that... That there's just this renewed sense of I, I I didn't realize how much I missed it until it was gone almost. Well, that's the other side of anything like this, right? That yeah. as we uh, when we have things so readily available, we take them for granted. Saint Augustine used to actually fast from the Eucharist from really? time to time, hmm. in a way of instilling in him a, that greater appreciation that you speak of, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when things are so readily available. We really do take them for granted until they until they become a little bit removed. I think this is happening in a lot of areas of our lives, right? We take family for granted and neighbors and friends, and, and all of a sudden now we're, di we're discovering what was there all the time, but maybe we weren't as grateful uh, for it or as, as cognizant of it. Sure. You know, Bishop, as we go into Holy Week, we're moving into Holy Week now, we have a young family. How can folks who have young families or are here alone uh, in the Archdiocese or even around 
around the country. You know, how can we capture that Holy Week spirit, that Easter spirit? Certainly it won't be the same, but it feels as though there's an opportunity here. Yeah, obviously it won't be the same, and and we might have to work a little bit harder to enter that sacred spirit. Uh, But at the end, it is the Lent and Holy Week that the Lord has permitted and given us right now. And so we have to find the very best in it and the grace in it. Certainly television, you know, uh, I am sure that from the Holy Father's celebrations in the, uh, in the Vatican to dioceses, uh, all these things will be on television. We ourselves in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia will be streaming on Chrism Mass on Monday night, uh, this coming Monday night. Mm-hmm. We'll have the Chrism Mass. I will be celebrating that at 7 o'clock in the cathedral. And we'll be having you know, uh, Holy, the uh, Holy Thursday Mass, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, and Good Friday liturgies, and the Easter. We're going to do it all. I'm going to do it all right from the cathedral, and people could stream it, uh, watch it as we stream it, and, and look for all sorts of uh, venues, even on television. So, you know, we're blessed at this particular time in history, which with uh, technology that could bring tricks right into our living room. Of course, it's not the same. I understand that. Uh, that I'm sensitive to that. But listen, it's better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Archbishop, are you seeing um, any particular creativity that you're seeing out in your own archdiocese, uh, you know, in the parishes or in the schools? I'm seeing all sorts of stuff, you know, uh, from pastors. They stream their Sunday and daily masses. There's one pastor who does 30 seconds with the pastor every day. I think the greatest thing is that the pastor passion in their hearts to continue to serve and accompany and minister to their people is there, and they're exploring all sorts of ways to do that, in particular uh, through social media that, that really is such an incredible platform. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Archbishop, as a Philly guy, I got to ask you this question, uh, and maybe you can't, for political reasons, give me this, this answer, but uh, Geno's or Pat's for your cheesesteak? Well, uh, I love cheesesteaks. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Archbishop Perez, it's been a real joy having you on the podcast today. I appreciate appreciate your words of encouragement to our listeners, and uh, we're all looking forward to a very holy week and encountering the Spirit in a different way, as you say. Thank you so much, Jim, and know that everyone's in my prayers, and I ask that I remain in theirs as well. Absolutely. Thank you. I want to thank Archbishop Perez for being on our podcast today. What a joy to talk with you. You have just this exuberance that came out uh, over our phone conversation. I know I see it every time uh, on TV or when we've seen you at Mass. Uh, Thank you for the energy and joy you bring to your role of Archbishop of Philadelphia. It's it's so exciting to see you there, and, and we're so excited to see the things that are going to be coming for the folks in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia in the years to come. Next up, let's talk with Bishop John Barris. Now, Bishop Barris has been on our podcast before. Today, uh, Bishop Barris will talk a little bit about his new pastoral letter, The Great Week, which you can find at thegreatweek.com. And it's a pastoral letter about Holy Week and the scriptural references and the rituals that are tied to the celebration of Holy Week and the Great Triduum. Uh, Again, you can download your free copy at thegreatweek.com. But let's get over to Bishop John Barris for our interview. Here is Bishop Barris. Well, Bishop Barris, welcome back to the podcast. It's so great to have you back today. Thank you, Jim. It's always uh, good to be part of these podcasts. You always have a rich range of participants with a lot of wisdom, insights, and the beautiful fidelity to our Catholic mission. 
Oh, I'm so grateful to hear you say that, Bishop. We do our best. We've had some amazing people. Uh, we're actually celebrating over 55 episodes now and uh, and still going strong. You know, Bishop, we've all seen the images of the difficult situation in New York, the image of the U.S. naval ship pulling into New York Harbor. Um, tell us just real quick, how is the situation out there in Long Island? New York is seen as really the epicenter of the COVID-19 crisis. And we've been doing what, you know, a lot of the country is doing. I've been so edified by our pastors, our deacons, our people, our priests, our hospital chaplains. We've had these very vibrant video liturgies, uh, not only with the help of Catholic Faith Network, which has uh, a national reach, but also our individual pastors getting their uh, stream video streaming together for the Sunday liturgies, the weekly liturgies, but also adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. One of our pastors had a virtual mission over three evenings. Some of our high school chaplains have been celebrating Mass with their students, their faculties. One of our high school chaplains went to uh, the, the roof of Holy Trinity High School and uh, with the Blessed Sacrament and uh, blessed all of Long Island and then brought the uh, Blessed Sacrament to the crucifix in front of the church. At Stony Brook University, Father Lachlan Cameron has uh, been virtually getting together for prayer, for reflection, for conversation with our great Stony Brook University students. So it's been a very creative dimension of Catholic evangelization that we've experienced on Long Island, but throughout the country and every diocese, I think in very powerful ways, uh, and in ways that I think bring a lot of consolation to the trauma, the tragedies, the financial, the economic anxieties, the healthcare anxieties that all of us have. It really is gratifying to see the creativity that has been just expressed across the country in every diocese. I completely agree. And, and what's uh, so palpable is that that uh, increasing hunger for the Eucharist, which uh, all of us have been denied now for a couple of weeks and, and for the foreseeable future. I can only imagine that on the other side of this, we're going to see an increase in mass attendance, an increase in a devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. Yes, Jim. I think the whole focus of Holy Week is the Paschal Mystery, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that pattern is part of every one of our individual lives. It's also the pattern of the Catholic Church in history through the centuries and the decades. It's also the pattern of the world. So we embrace uh, the cross of Christ and we embrace the resurrection simultaneously. And Bishop, I know that uh, you just published a new pastoral letter called The Great Week. And for those who are listening, you can actually find it at thegreatweek.com, which is tremendous. And I want you to talk to us a little bit about that. But it was interesting. One of the opening lines that you make in your pastoral letter is, that it's a, a pilgrimage is a religious journey taken for a spiritual reason. You know, maybe for some of our listeners who haven't been as focused on Lent as they would have liked to up until this point, is it too late to get on that journey? Not at all, Jim. I think this is a unique time. This pastoral letter was conceived in July, and we did a lot of hard work on it with a great team. It's a real high-quality synthesis of Catholic liturgical theology, Catholic liturgical spirituality, and liturgical history surrounding Holy Week. It's user-friendly. Any person in any parish could take it up and use it as an aid for Holy Week. 
because it explains the rationales and uh, the logic of the liturgies and how they fit together and the beautiful flow of the liturgies. Now, we conceived this idea. We felt there was a need for a synthesis of Holy Week, liturgical theology, spirituality, and history in normal times. But then we come across this whole COVID-19 crisis, and this Holy Week pastoral letter, the Great Week, has even greater significance in our virtual praying of Holy Week, in our virtual liturgies. It's a, a beautiful guide, and I would encourage anyone from around the country to use it. Last Friday, Jim, I uh, sent the pastoral letter to every American bishop in every diocese in the United States through the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And later that night, I got an email from the Bishop of Fairbanks, Alaska, saying he has 39 remote areas that are in lockdown that will benefit very much from this pastoral letter on Holy Week. And I think it expresses what Pope Francis has emphasized in every day of his pontificate in a very special way last Friday in that prayer service uh, with the blessing of the city and the world with the blessed sacrament from a vacant and rainy St. Peter's Square, the theme of global solidarity. So I'm so excited that the Church of Long Island, Rockville Center, is in evangelizing solidarity with the Church of Fairbanks, Alaska. Then I heard from uh, the Bishop of Memphis, Tennessee, uh, Bishop Talley, and he says he will use the pastoral letter. So that's the Rocky Top edition. So yeah. it's just an exciting moment for us to be in solidarity and to celebrate the richness of the every dimension of Holy Week in a special way, the sacred triduum, the Easter vigil, and every dimension of Catholic theology and liturgy that is so powerful. And Bishop, you know, while we look at this time of quarantine and, you know, uh, it's easy, I'm sure, for many of our listeners to get pulled down a little bit, but, but we also have to look at this as a time for solidarity within our own homes, within our own families, time maybe to spend, have those deeper conversations with our children or with our spouse that maybe we don't normally have the opportunity to uh, on a regular basis, right? Jim, it's so true. Uh, last Saturday morning's New York Times, a psychologist was saying, Every family has imperfections and frailties. Sometimes we get into ruts in terms of how we deal with each other. And times of isolation like this, which are unique times, you're, any family issues are put into a frying pan. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. some of the difficulties and challenges and conflicts and tensions in our homes can really get heated up. But we do a judo move on that. We, uh, <laughs> as Catholics, we call on the fire not of the frying pan, but the fire of the Holy Spirit to give us a good Samaritan spirit with everyone in our home, to have a great understanding for our, each other's frailties, weaknesses, characteristic types of moods and those types of things. And at the same time, we allow the Holy Spirit to unite us. And as you said, to have some of those conversations, for instance, to talk about our genealogies to our children. That is, Pope Francis is so good at emphasizing the beautiful connections between the elderly and the most young in our families. He always talks, tells parents, waste time playing with your children. And parents, in their beautiful creativity, are finding very creative and innovative ways to uplift their children's 
intellectual, spiritual, and creative dimensions. And in turn, that our children so often lead us with their creativity, their goodness, their innocence. And so, as you said, Jim, it's a it's an important time of unity within our own families and to be connected to every family in the church and in the mission of the church throughout the world. On a personal note, my wife and I have gotten into watching daily mass every morning, eight o'clock, you know, before I, I head down to my home office and, and get to work. And I have streaming mass or live or mass on TV is nothing new. It's nothing that we really paid much attention to because we always attended it in person. But now we find that we just really look forward to that time together, that time in prayer, and this uh, spiritual communion. I guess it's not a phrase that many of us were familiar with before, that notion of spiritual communion. Can you talk a little bit about that for us? Yes, the spiritual communion at Catholic Faith Network, we've been actually putting it on the screen during the times of uh, when the priest is consuming uh, the body of Christ and the precious blood. We put it on the screen for our people. And a spiritual communion has a rich tradition. It's a union. Uh, it's rekindling our Eucharistic devotion. It's rekindling our firm belief in the real presence of Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And it also recognizes that through baptism, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they dwell within us. And that fire of the body and blood of Christ, we eat and drink. St. Ephraim says, whenever we eat and drink the body and blood of Christ, we eat and drink fire, we eat and drink spirit. And so in this time where we feel the real absence of the Eucharist, at the same time, this rich tradition of, of, a, of a spiritual communion is uh, something that gives us comfort, consolation, and strength. And we can do spiritual communions with the Holy Eucharist outside of the Mass as well. That's beautiful. Well, Bishop, it's been great having you on the podcast today. Would you say a quick blessing for all of our listeners before we, we sign off? Sure. And, and Jim, I just, you know, the rhythm of Holy Week so beautiful. Palm Sunday, the Passion of the Lord. Our Chrism Mass, where we bless the oils of Holy Chrism, the oil of the sick, the oil of the catechumens. And this year we pray in a special way as young men and women see the heroism of priests around the world for a rich harvest of vocations to the priesthood and religious life. We remember at the Holy Thursday, Mass of the Lord's Supper, the themes of the institution of the Eucharist, the institution of the priesthood. You know, the washing of the will be omitted, this blessed will be very present to us. Good Friday, the celebration of the Passion of the Lord, that virtual embrace of, of the cross, and of course, the Easter vigil with all its rich symbolism and power. Hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask your blessings on your servants throughout the world. We ask your blessings on all those who are on the front lines to defeat the COVID-19 crisis, every dimension of every family, every one of us who are carrying crosses. We ask that the Holy Spirit may lead us and guide us and help us to embrace our baptismal call to courageous holiness and courageous mission. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bishop, I always appreciate having you on the podcast. I, I wish you a, a wonderful, blessed Holy Week and a very blessed Easter. God bless you, Jim, your family, and all your listeners. Thank you. 
I want to thank Bishop Barris for being on our podcast today. It's always a joy to have you on the show and uh, just thank you for the support of our show and, and just thank you for all you're doing for the people of the Diocese of Rockville Center. Your missionary spirit, your zeal, your energy, and your enthusiasm is infectious, and it's it's great to see so many wonderful things happening in the Diocese of Rockville Center. Thank you so much, Bishop Barris. And once again, I want to thank Archbishop Nelson Perez and Bishop John Barris for being on our show today. This was, again, a special bonus episode of Advancing Our Church. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising nonprofits and corporations for over 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. And for more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful Easter season. Uh, We're looking forward to seeing you after next week. We're taking the Easter week off. We look forward to seeing you and bringing you more coverage of COVID-19 and the many creative organizations that are forging forward, bringing you the new evangelization during these troubled times. Keeping you all in my prayers, everybody. Have a great week. God bless. 